0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to the Strong Room presented by McMillan Estate Planning. I'm Wayne Nelson. On today's show, we'll be discussing estate administration. If you've been named executor or have accepted the responsibility of administering an estate after someone you likely knew has passed on, the responsibilities and list of things to do perhaps can be more overwhelming than you may have expected, depending on the size of the estate, the beneficiaries, the assets, and other financial interests and liabilities. So today we're going to go over what you need to know a checklist and some tips to help you. My guest this morning, McMillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the show. What is the first thing that we need to do? This is into the probate stage.
1: Exactly. So a death in the family or a death of a friend is always a very sensitive matter to deal with. And um, in the office, usually I get a call from the family or the sibling or the child or the spouse that someone they love has passed recently. And the first thing I do is uh, just have a discussion with them and, you know, console them. The first role uh, and the primary role for every um, executor or family member is, is to grieve first. There's nothing wrong with shedding a tear and holding each other's hands because this is the time for that. And you have to make time for that emotional stage first.
0: Now, that can take, That can take some time, that can take some, now that can take some time, Henry. So how much time before the executor or administrator really has to start getting to work?
1: I give them as much time as they need, and it could be as quick as a week, or it could be two weeks, a month, or even up to three months, Wayne, actually, depending on the person and the family and what's involved.
0: So that person would then contact you when they're ready to move forward. Exactly. I want to
1: um, uh, give them comfort that this is nothing urgent that has to be done three or five days after passing. Uh, But I also want them to know that uh, they have time to grieve. And after that, there's some work to be done and that I will help them along the way, but also uh, for them not to feel stressed that they have to do it right away as well.
0: Assuming, of course, that the funeral arrangements have already been looked after.
1: That's correct. And the funeral arrangements are actually part and parcel of what the executor and the family has to uh, arrange for uh, the passed away, uh, the loved one who has passed away. Uh, and also I tell them to keep note of that because the accounting for the funeral or final expenses are also part of the estate
0: administration as well. All things considered, Let's assume that the deceased has provided some information for what he or she wants in terms of a funeral. That will help take some of the stress off. But if that hasn't happened, there's a lot more work to be done.
1: Exactly. So the default of this is, is that if the loved one left um, unwritten notes or instructions for the family member, spouse, or children on their instructions for final arrangements, either funeral or burial or uh, cremation and or organ donation for uh, medical or research purposes as may be applicable, uh, that's something to consider. Uh, if the deceased has not provided instructions, well then, most often than not, the trustee or the executor will have uh, the discretion on how to deal with uh, the remains of the past, the loved one who has passed away. And in that case, they can either choose uh, cremation or burial themselves, uh, and the final funeral arrangements too. Uh, In certain instances, the family may have a family plot where um, the remains of the previous ancestors or their ancestors were buried or cremated and urns placed in that specific plot. So that's always a handy reference for the family to put their loved one there as well, along with their ancestors. Uh, But sometimes the children also prefer that they would like mom and dad or mom or dad buried at a memorable place for the family.
0: Okay, so we got to that point, Henry, where the funeral has been looked after, it has taken place, now the grieving can continue. What is the next step?
1: Mm-hmm. First of all, always take note of the final expenses, what the family or individual has spent for uh, the, the funeral, the urn, uh, the cremation, and all of those. Uh, the next reminder for them to take the next step is usually an invoice uh, directed toward the family and or a bank statement that usually arrives monthly. And that is a cue for them on uh, to get going with the financial affairs of the person who passed away. So in that specific case, what they usually do is they approach the bank and say, I have bad news, dear bank manager, unfortunately dad has passed away and we would like to know what we can do to access his bank accounts. And then at that point, will the bank manager queue them for a couple of things. The first is regarding specific assets of dad, what they will do is they will freeze dad's account and uh, they will advise the family on whether or not there is a need for probate. Now, uh, the default is probate is necessary. However, in my experience, and again, this depends on the banks, their policies. If certain bank accounts are less than 25000 the banks may merely request for just the death certificate from the funeral director, as well as the will, and they don't need probate. However, uh, in certain instances and certain banks... If such bank account balances are in excess of that threshold amount that they have set up internally, uh, they will require probate for certain assets. And the probate can take months. So what a probate is, is that it's a stamp of approval from the court that basically designates an individual or individuals as the personal representative of the deceased. It's basically them stamping the will and saying, yep, this is the authentic will and yes, you are the designated personal representative, and then you can act for the estate of the deceased in administering their assets. And when we say administering their assets, that means following the instructions of the deceased according to their will and distributing the residue or the net assets after liabilities and or debts have been paid to the deceased's beneficiaries.
0: So until that official approval by the courts has taken place, not much can happen.
1: That's right. These assets, unfortunately, are uh, frozen by uh, the bank or financial institution. And um, it is not their fault. Okay, let's not blame the bank manager and get angry and throw a fit in the bank. It is their job. And they have a legal responsibility to make sure that the assets of um, the deceased person go to the right beneficiaries.
0: So what is happening during this time? Because when I suggested not much can happen, the executor or administrator of the estate can be doing doing some paperwork or doing some checks, doing a little bit of research.
1: So what uh, would happen is that Mr. Executor would advance the steps to do probate. And in order to do that, there's a couple of items that we have to take into consideration. And at Macmillan Estate Planning, we have a checklist and we go through that with the family uh, to make it easier for them. And among the items that we must consider are, first of all, the full name of the deceased, where the address was or his residence when he uh, passed away. Uh, Also, of course, the date of death, we need the certificates from the funeral director as well, Uh, the place of death. Uh, We also take into consideration his status Uh, when he uh, passed away. Was he married? Was he divorced, widowed? Was he in a common law relationship for that matter? These are all important considerations. But Also of note is that if the individual, for example, was in a common law relationship or married, we also have to take the information of that partner or spouse because that's important as well for purposes of uh, probate and estate administration.
0: All right. So basically some identification steps that need to be put in place. And I would assume that we uh, need to move on past that to the immediate family to identify who they are.
1: Mm-hmm. So after we've verified that there is a will and we're using that as a reference, uh, the director's death certificate, funeral director's death certificate is important as well because those are the documents to support this occurrence or event. And as you said, yes, we uh, need to take the next step to take a look at the children. And in regard to the children, we, uh, we have a discussion on surviving children and children who may have predeceased the loved one. Also, in regard to children, we have a discussion on whether or not any of the children were mentally or physically disabled at the date of death or had any dependency on that specific person who passed away. And these are all reasons in order for us to take note of so that we can minimize any litigation in the future. If we're aware that, uh, unfortunately, the deceased had uh, a previous family and minor children from that previous family. Uh, well, then that's something for us to consider as well. And hopefully that has been dealt with during his or her lifetime. But if not, we want to make sure that we are aware of those issues.
0: All right. Well, let's continue this in a moment. My guest this morning, Macmillan Estate Planning Legal Counsel, Henry Villanueva. We have been discussing estate administration, what you need to know, a little bit of a checklist and some tips to help you. We're back in a moment. You're listening to The Room on 770 CHQR.